May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a crisis of leadership in the world today. Confusion about vision and direction abound. And it often appears that the motivation to lead can revolve around age-old temptations of power, wealth, and self-glory. It was always thus. Jesus came to show that there is another path. The context for our reading from John's Gospel is the healing of the blind man by Jesus. The Pharisees dismiss the healing as not from God because the healing takes place on the Sabbath. The healed man disagrees. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The healed man goes on to make a spirited defense of what Jesus has done, but as a result is thrown out of the synagogue Encountering Jesus again afterwards, Jesus declares to him that he is the Christ and the man worships him. Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. So our reading today begins and ends within a context of division. It's not cozy, it's not comfortable, but part of an assault on worldly and religious power by the Christ who came to reclaim the world as his own. In our gospel passage from John, Jesus compares the leadership characteristics of the good shepherd, the hired hand, and the plainly malevolent. It is the good shepherd, the beautiful model shepherd who Jesus presents to his listeners, transparent and clear in his leadership, entering the sheepfold by the gate, relating directly to the watchman who protects the sheep in his absence and then calls the sheep by name before directing them safely and leading them from the front in order to find abundant pasture to inhabit and to be sustained in. It's this relationship of trust that has been carefully nurtured with the sheep to the point where the shepherd can recognize them individually and they in turn can respond to him by the sound of his voice. It can only be truly found when the shepherd owns the sheep. It is the good shepherd 
who has invested in his flock, who feels the commitment that will involve sacrificing his own life if thieves and bandits come to attack and steal the sheep. The hired hand, who may have done a satisfactory job thus far, will inevitably run away and put their own safety first when under attack, leaving the flock to the mercy of the wolves who scatter and kill them. Ultimately then, thieves and robbers will always prey on the vulnerable, will pay scant regard to the structures of the sheepfold and will seek by deception to lure the sheep for their own evil ends. The hired hand cannot be trusted to defend the flock against them or against the threat of brute force because they have no lasting commitment. Only the good shepherd can be trusted to give everything for his sheep. Jesus uses two metaphors in this passage. He compares himself firstly to the good shepherd. And when some struggle to grasp this, he secondly compares himself to the gate for the sheep. It is through him that we need to enter in order to be saved. Sheep stealers come ultimately to kill and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life and life abundantly. Lest we think that this is a template for leadership in life, it's worth remembering that this is a metaphor for the leadership of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Our role is to follow his leadership. We are called to follow him and to share his vision of the kingdom of God come to earth that he came to announce and inaugurate. That kingdom turns the values of the world upside down. It's a kingdom where it's the poor and meek who are elevated and commended, where those who mourn are comforted and the pure in heart are given the vision of God's will, where the peacemakers, not the peace talkers, are called children of God, and those who risk and endure persecution for standing up for truth and justice and God's mercy are given the promise of God's kingdom here on earth. It's a kingdom where the king is prepared to sacrifice himself, even for those who do not follow him. And it's a kingdom which doesn't stand on ceremony or status. It stands on the foundation of the death and resurrection of its king. The invitation is for all. The passage reminds us that Jesus said, I have other sheep 
that are not of this sheepfold, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is fulfilling God's promise to Abraham that he would be a blessing to all nations. God's will for humanity is for the renewal of the whole of creation, not just those who have heard his message now. It's the reason why this week, at the beginning of Ramadan, this cathedral will host 150 young people from Muslim backgrounds, Sikh, Hindu, Jain and Zoroastrian backgrounds, to share with young Christians a vision for the future of London, to see the flourishing of all its people. We are all called to lead and not just to follow, to be an example to others, not to hide our lights under bushels, but to be Christ's body within the world, to be a priesthood of all believers. If that's the case, the example of Jesus to us today is that leaders don't blame others for their inability to act. They take responsibility themselves. They don't hide behind status or position but are prepared to roll up their sleeves, to work alongside others, to encourage and protect, yes, but also to challenge their followers. True leaders are not populists, but prophets. They help shape their environments. They don't let their environments define them. Leaders lead, they don't just follow. And the means of leadership are as important as the ends. Because the kingdom ends shape the kingdom means. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, says the leader. Amen.